saw this morning, I'm going to preach from an iPad, but I brought paper as backup, which I might need to use if I can't find the sermon itself. Um, but I uh, wanted to be hip and cool and relevant uh, and be different than Paul and Tom. Um, but Tom made fun of me for wearing a tie, so I'm balancing it out. I have like the old and the new. Um, but when we decided together as a staff that I would preach this morning, I tried to think through uh, what it was that I was going to speak, and Tom and Paul said, Devin, you have freedom to preach on whatever you want to preach on, and I, I don't know about you, but that, that, w- that stresses me out. Um, I don't know about if that would be the case for you, but um, the Bible has a lot of really good stuff, so how do you pick what you want to teach on? So I decided to preach on um, what we've been going through in our series, uh, which is uh, the past few weeks we've been talking about uh, just the sayings of Jesus and uh, kind of looking at the red letters of the New Testament. And so um, this morning, I, I picked this passage um, on anxiety for a couple reasons. Uh, and the first of all, as many of you know, um, I'm, uh, the reason I picked that was because I've been, been feeling anxious the past couple weeks, uh, starting with what I now call the not Albania trip. And, uh, and so... Uh, the past, over the past like year, actually, we've had 10 people from our church preparing to go to our sister church in Skoder, Albania. And um, through that uh, process and the growth in that, we've had to really overcome a lot of obstacles as a team and really grow together. And, um, and we, we did. We made a lot of progress. And, and God really grew in our hearts this excitement and anticipation to go on this trip. And, um, and as you know, we didn't get there. But uh, while we were at the airport, I was sitting down with some parents and the um, team was getting uh, their luggage checked in. And one of the parents asked, Devin, are you uh, scared or anxious to go through Turkey? And I said, actually, I'm not anxious at all. I feel really good about it. I've, I've prayed about it. And, you know, I, I know that it's going to be great. And she said, okay. And then um, I looked at my phone. Literally, this happened. Um, my phone vibrated right after I said those words. And the, the text, uh, or the USA Today update said, coup in Turkey, uh, gov- uh, military trying to overthrow the government. And um, my legs started to bounce up and down. <laughs> and... Uh, and she goes, Devin, actually, you look really nervous. And said, well, maybe I am a little nervous. Maybe you can pray about that. And she goes, Devin, Turkey's probably the safest place in the world. They just had a bombing, so the airport's going to be extremely safe. And so I was like, <laughs> it's like she hasn't seen the text that I just saw. Um, so um, we decided, uh, Brandon knew, Catherine and I knew, and we decided just to get the team through security. And on every television screen were images from Turkey and uh, military um, in the streets and taking over government buildings and even uh, military tanks at um, the airports that we were supposed to fly into. And uh, they were still going to make us fly to Turkey. And so we decided as a team that we weren't going to do that. We were going to trust in God with that. But we decided to fly to Boston um, because that's what the the attendants told us to do. And after about 24 hours of uh, phone calls and text messages and trying to communicate with parents and talking to the travel agency to try and, and find other options to get to Albania, we found that God was really closing the doors on that. And there was just anxiety and fear in, in people in different ways. And Brandon, I think, communicated that really well on the trip. He said there were a lot of people who were really anxious about going through Turkey and getting there. And what God did in their hearts was that they, he, he taught them that they had to trust him. And, and they, um, he grew in their hearts this excitement to go and this anticipation to get there anyway um, that he, he took them. And then there were other people who were overly anxious to get to Albania. And God really taught us to um, calm our hearts and to trust him and to be patient. And so um, there was just a lot of different things that we worked through, and I think that we're still, as a team, working through that. Uh, but for me, I've never experienced a mission trip where, you know, your intended goal doesn't work out. Um, God has always just spoken to me in a certain way where it's like this was meant to happen. And I'm still just working through the anxiety from that. But when I got home, I still felt really anxious. And, um, and actually, um, I've been feeling anxious every day. I, I've, I've had a hard time going to sleep at night, um, and I wake up with the same um, heavy heart. And um, on top of 
so the, on top of the anxiety that came with the trip, there's just been a lot of things in my life. I came home to a lot of disappointment with some friends and some family. And so just working through some things, but um, not only am I feeling anxious, but I think that anxiety has really plagued my generation. And not only do a lot of my friends feel anxious feelings a lot, but they've, um, a lot of my friends actually have general, um, are diagnosed with anxiety disorders. And so um, I picked this passage not je- necessarily just to benefit our congregation, but also to speak uh, truth into my own life this morning. I'm really feeling it and um, feeling what this, this passage speaks to. But before we look into scripture about what um, this says about a really practical issue, I wanted to ask, um, which I'm nervous about again, uh, the, the congregation to kind of give me some examples. What um, are some things that make you anxious? Or maybe what are you anxious about right now? Yeah. Anxious about refinancing the house. Money, okay. Being anxious about money and um, specific things like that can really cause our hearts to become um, untrusting of God, right? Or we can even, if we don't trust that we're going to have enough money, we can get greedy. And sometimes, I'm not saying Terry would do this. Terry would never steal. But we could even steal, you know, steal from the government or lie on our taxes or stuff like that. But when we get anxious about that stuff and it really grows and festers in our heart, it causes us to sin in that way. What else can we get anxious about? Yeah. Future, right? Um, A lot of young people are worried about the future. And when we get worried about the future, we also stop trusting God and we become impatient and um, and kind of want to take things into our own hands instead of like waiting for God to answer. Someone said something else over here. Family, um, relationships. When we get uh, um, uh, anxious about relationships, we can tend to become selfish and deserving. Um, And so I guess the point I'm trying to make, there's other things like, um, you know, success or, or anything like that. When we get anxious about things, it causes us to sin. And so I would like to say that if we could get a hold as Christians on our anxiety, it would really eliminate a lot of the sins in our lives too. Um, so w- as we look into this passage, um, Jesus says anxiety seven times in this passage. And when something is repeated over and over again in the Bible, it's kind of like a bold, le- it's a bold word. It's really important. And he commands us to not be anxious three times. So if you miss the point of the sermon, I'd be really impressed because uh, I'm going to repeat myself a lot because Jesus repeats himself a lot. Um, but the, the main point is that we shouldn't be anxious. Don't be anxious, but trust God. Um, but I want to try to define what does the word anxiety mean? Uh, what, what does it, um, kind of like the root of that idea? And I would say that the root of anxiety is fear. It's fear of something happening or it's fear of something not happening. And the interesting thing about fear and what makes fear so powerful is that we fear, what we fear has become way too important in our lives Um, The things that we're afraid of are things that are really big. And what that means is that when things are really big in your life, you're making God smaller because you're putting your hope in these things that make you anxious anxious, instead of trusting God. And so kind of, I think the root of anxiety is actually idolatry. It's putting anything in this world over God. Um, And so the same point, don't be anxious, trust God. So the text this morning begins with the word, therefore. um, Anyone really good at grammar and knows what the what kind of word therefore is? Transition word in an adverb, yeah. It's a transition word. So it, mean, it's, it means that whatever was said before that is important. It's referring back to something that was said before. So this is Jesus speaking um, on the Sermon on the Mount, and he's referring back to something he just talked about. And I'd encourage you to go back and read it later today if you have time. Um, but he's talking about treasure. And he's tr- telling the, the crowd, he's saying, you have to choose between two different treasures. And uh, the treasures are the world or Jesus. And um, how Jesus finishes that is that um, this word therefore kind of assumes that the right answer, what they should choose, is that Jesus should be their treasure. 
And if they choose Jesus as their treasure, then they'll see the world in a completely different way in that the things that are big in this world, the treasures that are big in this world will become really small because he will become really big. And the word therefore also assumes that to fix anxiety in our lives has to start with making Jesus our treasure. So that word is really important. Now, uh, before we get really deep into this passage, I want to go through every verse, um, which is really exciting for some of you. We're going to go really deep in there. Um, I want to point out two, um, that there's two different commands here. One's repeated over and over again, but there's one command in this passage that is more of a positive command. So there's all these don't do's, don't do this, and then there's a do this. And I don't know about you, but when I get told not to do something, I get really rebellious, especially if there's no reasoning behind the don't do. Um, but if someone tells me not to do something because of this or do this instead, it's a lot easier. Uh, one time I was doing uh, Creative Arts Camp, which is our program, our VBS program, and um, one of the adult leaders said, you know, don't just tell the child don't do it. Give the child options. So don't say stop crying. You can say, hey, why don't you sit here or sit on this side of me? And then they'll choose. They, get, they, they feel like they have like an empowerment. Um, but I want to give an example, like in my own life, um, I went to Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and I went in 2008, and so uh, Moody was comparable to Bob Jones in the way they had their rules and structured it, and so some of the rules were that I had to wear slacks um, every day, like this, and that I couldn't even go to the cafeteria to eat if I, weren't, if I wasn't wearing pants, and, um, and I couldn't wear shorts or sweatpants. Of course, I uh, need to wear pants. Great. Uh, I couldn't wear shirts if they had graphics on them. They had to say Moody, okay? Or I had to go back and I had to change. Um, some other things, I couldn't watch television. I couldn't dance. And I see a, a Moody grad also who's smiling over there. And um, they had to live through that. But they changed the rules for me. But uh, what would have been really helpful um, at the beginning was if they gave me the reason why those rules were there. And so I had to really think about that. And what I came to the conclusion was that Moody is paid for by donors, and so um, people paid for me to go through school, and I didn't have to pay tuition. And so what would have been a lot better is if they said, hey, um, what about the donors said, hey, Devin, you know, I don't want you to do these things while you're in college, but I'm going to give you $35,000 a year. That would have made me not doing those things a lot easier, right? And so that's kind of like what was in my mind. I had to think of the positive thing that was coming out of the negative. Um, in the same way, the positive in Jesus' sermon here really lightens up the negative don't in this sermon. What Jesus offers in the kingdom is so much greater than what anxiety does to us. So we're going to look through these passages, and um, I want to start with the first one, um, starting in verse 25, but I'm going to give you eight reasons that Jesus gives us not to be anxious. So chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food in the body, more than clothing? My first point is this. Life is more than food and clothing. Life is more than food and clothing. Uh, the first thing I realized when I became a Christian, um, I was really young, but I still realized that life was more than what the world had to offer me. Um, I looked around it and was disappointed with a lot of stuff, and what I realized is that Jesus' message is about something future. It's about heaven and, and, and this kingdom, and, um, and what was happening here wasn't as important as what was going to happen in the future. And, um, and what I was living for um, in, as a, when I became a Christian was not for this world, but for the kingdom. Um, now, Jesus states to his disciples um, in the crowd that they shouldn't worry about life. 
Um, but he continues to ask in verse 25 a que- this like rhetorical question. He said, is not life more than food and clothing? Um, and this rhetorical question is meant to underline the incompatibility of faith with anxiety. They can't go together. And you see, what Jesus has to offer is so much different than what our daily wants and desires are. And actually, what Jesus has to offer is even bigger than our daily needs. Um, God, who gives life, can totally sustain it on his own. He, he doesn't have to worry about that at all, and, and we shouldn't either. Um, but I often get caught up in worrying about little things in the world, things like bills. They seem really big to me um, because they're coming, and it, like, you could lose your house, you could lose things. Um, they're not that big of a deal. I get worried about school and my job and, and even my students. And some of those things I can worry about in the right way, but oftentimes the anxiety causes me to worry about them in the wrong way because they have no point in the kingdom. See, the things that we worry about are so minuscule in comparison to what we should be worrying about in the kingdom. Um, there's some people I really admire in our church, and they're going to know who I'm talking about when I say um, what the example is, but I'm not going to name them. Um, but they uh, really struggled with finances a few years back, and uh, the mom said that instead of um, praying for God to give them big things um, and kind of provide for them in, a, in big ways, she asked for really small, tangible things that are really specific. And um, I thought that was really interesting. And she said um, that one time they ran out of toilet paper. And so um, she asked God that she would just provide toilet paper for them. And so they came home, and there was toilet paper on their doorstep. And what I thought that was really awesome about that was that um, she didn't worry about the small, minuscule things, um, but she asked for God just to provide for their daily needs that they needed that day. um, Because she realized that life was more than just the specific needs of the day. She could trust God with that. Life was much more about trusting God and living for him. Um, so I just, I really um, thank for them for that example. Um, but verse 26, moving on to the second point. Look at the birds of the air. The, they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So my second point is this. You are the most valuable thing in all of creation, why would God not take care of you? You are the most valuable thing in all of creation. Why would God not take care of you? So Jesus begins to talk about the birds in the air and how they don't have to work for their food like we do. Um, they just simply trust God every day. And when a bird like burrows its uh, beak into the, into the soil, it trusts that God is going to provide some bug or some kind of nutrients for it to survive, right? It doesn't get anxious about food. So if God does that for the birds and he loves the birds, how much more does he love you, and how much more will he provide, provide for you? Um, Jesus asked the second rhetorical question, are you not of more value than they? Birds don't get anxious, so why do we? Um, Jesus actually answers this rhetorical question just a, just a couple of chapters later. In, in chapter 10, verse 31, Jesus actually says to his disciples, don't be afraid, kind of like don't be anxious, and he says, because you actually are of more value than the birds. I thought that was really interesting. You are the most valuable thing in all creation. Why would God not take care of you? All right, moving on, verse 27. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? So the third point is that anxiety does nothing for you. Anxiety does nothing for you. He asked this third rhetorical question, and I think it's interesting that it doesn't use an illustration, probably because this is a really obvious statement, right? Um, anxiety does nothing for you. In, in fact, it usually does the opposite, doesn't it? Um, if you get really anxious and you're really stressed, it usually shortens the span of your life. Um, 
And so I often hear people say that anxiety can be a good thing. Have you ever heard that? Or like fear can be a good thing because it causes you to work hard and, and to move forward and to anticipate what's to come. Uh, but I, I think more often than not, Christians have the wrong kind of fear and anxiety. Um, it, and it's something, it's because they're working towards a goal that's not the kingdom and looking to their basic needs and looking for happiness here. Um, but God has something so much bigger than what they're looking for. Um, so I w- also want to jump back. How are we defining anxiety? Um, it's not just... Uh, you know, small fears in your life. It's anything that you're putting above God. And so any fear that you're not giving over to God, and that's idolatry. As a believer, the bigger we make our needs and our wants, the smaller we make God. Point number four, found in verse 28. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown out into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Point number four. If God makes beautiful grass and lilies, how much more value does he give to making your life beautiful? If God makes beautiful grass and lilies, how much more value does he give to making your life beautiful? I uh, have a student that came up to me and she said that um, how beautiful the animals are, how beautiful that God made animals like zebras and, and lions and like these birds and how intricate they are. And she said, like, why did God make animals more beautiful than humans? And I said, actually, I think that's a misconception uh, because I think that God, if you just read the first couple pages of Genesis, you'll realize that God actually made you the most beautiful thing in all of creation. And, um, and I, maybe it's just because we see each other all the time and we look at ourselves in the mirror and we critique ourselves, but actually God made you the most beautiful thing in, ev- in all the things that he created because he made you in his own image, right? Actually, you're the only creature that he breathed his breath of life into. You're the only creature that is in his image. He sees you as beautiful. And we can look around at creation and we can be in awe of God as a Christian. And I often um, walk out the doors of this church and uh, the sun will be setting and um, like it'll glow the field back there and like there's all these wildflowers back there and it just lights them up and it just makes my heart be in awe of how beautiful God is and, and this beautiful creation he's made. And it makes me really thankful to him because he makes things beautiful. Um, and this, pa- this passage speaks about that. Uh, Jesus talks about how beautiful lilies are in, in, in the field. But an interesting thing to note about uh, Israel is that it's really hot and um, there's not a lot of rain. And so on average, the, span, the lifespan of a wildflower blooming and dying is actually like four days to a week. And so I thought, that, I thought that was a really interesting point because Jesus is talking about something that is so short. And he's talking about grass, which often in, in Israel, they would take the grass and they put it in the ovens to, to cook their, their food. Um, yet both those things are, even though it's a short lifespan, are so beautiful. Um, God dresses them with splendor and beauty. And so when a Christian looks at a lily, um, we know that it didn't wake up in the morning thinking, what color am I going to be today? And which way are my petals going to droop so that I'll be beautiful? And, um, you know, it had no thought, no, no toil nor spin, um, yet it's beautiful, right? And when we look at a lily as a Christian, we have to come to the conclusion that God takes great joy in making his creation beautiful. And if he takes great cho- joy in making a flower beautiful for you, how much more joy does he take in making your life beautiful? And now I know that a lot of people can argue with that. Um, they can say, well, my life is not beautiful. You know, I have all these struggles and, and, you know, God made my life. I had to suffer through these things and this just happened to me. Um, it's, it's really ugly. 
uh, and look at Christians who are poor. Like, why are Christians poor? Why, why do Christians get persecuted? That's, isn't that ugly? Um, to which I would say, I don't think that that's true. Um, though, that we're, though we're not dressed like King Solomon, and with riches and with, and with royalty, um, we have a standard in the world that is so much different than God's standard. And so we have to be careful not to place the worldly standards on what beauty is. Um, God has always given enough beauty and adorned his people to do his will. And so I just want you to, to think about that. The way that we see our lives, it is beautiful to God as Christians. And though we might face struggle and persecution, persecution just like Jesus, um, we all have heavenly robes, um, royal robes that Jesus is going to give to us in the kingdom. We look for something different. All right, moving on, verse 31. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Point number five, anxiety is for unbelievers. Anxiety is for unbelievers. If we are anxious about worldly things as Christians, we are no different than someone who does not have faith in Jesus. To be a Christian is to trust Jesus in everything, in everything with our life, and to uh, trust that he'll take care of every need that we have, even physical needs. People outside the covenant of God do not get that they, they can never know that God has provision for them, but we do. So we cannot look to the world to make us happy. You know, people who are non-Christians, they, they have anxiety, but then they try and make fi- uh, quick fixes, right? Um, if they're unhappy with this, they'll do something smaller. They'll sin in some way that will make them, give them some kind of gratitude. We can't do that as Christians, but we get something that's greater, and that's joy. And our joy has to be sourced from the king in the kingdom not his stuff. Verse 32, we're going to read that one more time. For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. My sixth point is that God knows everything you will ever need. God knows everything you will ever need. Um, My greatest doubt is not that God doesn't exist, but my greatest doubt is that God actually loves me, um, that he has my best interest at heart, and that, that's like my biggest insecurity. And, um, and I think that is drawn out, um, that's what draws out a lot of my anxiety. Um, you know, I think if God really loved me, why did he let this happen to me? And if God truly had my best interest at heart, why is this not happening? Um, but when we as Christians start to feel this way, we doubt the most amazing truth about God. And that's the fact that even though we are so messed up, that God sees you as his creation and beautiful and that he sent his son to die for you. He loves you so much. Um, When we feel anxiety, it shows us that we're way too close to the world and way too far from God. So don't be anxious. Trust in God. The world has nothing to offer, but God knows all of our needs and he will not only here, but also for the future. All right, almost done. 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Point seven is the best one, because this is the positive one, right? Remember the negative and the positive? This is the only positive one, but it's the best one. Uh, This is it. God will give you what you need when you align your heart to his will. God will give you what you need when you align your heart to his will. Not only does God know what you need, but he wants to give it to you. Um... The seventh reason is the best reason because it's something that we get to do. Uh, We get to trust him as Christians. We get to look forward to the kingdom. 
And the great thing, when you stop being anxious about your life, God starts to be anxious for you. God carries your burdens. Now, this is not to be confused with the prosperity gospel. I don't want to tell you that if you trust in Jesus and, you, and if you look forward to the kingdom, then your life's going to be great and you're going to get riches and everything's going to be, everything's going to be fine. That's not true. That is not the promise in the Bible. Um, we're going to face hard things. But what the Bible promises is that even in the shadow of the valley of death, when life is at its worst, God will take care of your every need that he needs to give to you. Don't be anxious. Trust God. The last point in verse 34 Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It's easy to look into the future and be really worried, right? Um, I can think of my students who have to look uh, to the next month and have to go back to school, right? You can be really worried about that. It can cause a lot of anxiety. Um, I have to look at the same thing in the fall. Um, you could be anxious about having to pay your next mortgage payment, right? And where's that money going to come from? Or you could be anxious even about having to go to work tomorrow and the people that you have to see. Uh, but what um, Jesus is commanding here, he's saying, don't bring tomorrow's troubles into today. God gives us what we need for today. Not necessarily for tomorrow, but he gives you what you need for today. Trust that he will be God today and trust that he will be the same God tomorrow. So the takeaway from this passage, I hope that you get, is really clear. Jesus repeated himself over and over again. Um, Jesus does not secure the kingdom by, by making his people insecure or making them have to worry about it. What the Bible says is that Jesus secured the kingdom so that you can be free from anxiety and free um, from worry. And so if you're not a Christian here, um, which I know that there probably are some, uh, I would just really encourage you that um, if, you're, if you're not a Christian, what Jesus has to offer is actually freedom from all your worry and all your anxiety. Not that he'll make your life perfect, but he takes those things away because he conquers them. And if you are a Christian, and I'm saying this to myself too, what I want you to be reminded of is that same truth, that Jesus has conquered for your life. If you feel anxious or worried, you don't have to feel that. You can put that on God. And so um, that's my prayer for you guys today, and that's the message that I have. Um, but in, at believing in Jesus, we have nothing to worry, because Jesus has conquered. So I just want to pray for that for us. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and for um, just growing my heart this past couple of weeks just to um, be able to trust in you more. And thank you for um, how my fears have really grown my need for you uh, and that when we have things to be anxious about, you um, remind us through your word that we don't have to be fearful, that we don't have to be afraid. And so God, I pray for anyone who's not a Christian in this room that you really speak to their heart um, this morning and that as they walk out and they feel worries and stress of their life that they wouldn't seek quick fixes, but God, they'd seek after you, you and that you would really change their heart and, and speak to them in a new way. Um, and God, I pray for all the Christians here um, that you'd really also speak to their heart and encourage them. Uh, this life is not easy as you portrayed, even by going on the cross um, in, in suffering for us. Uh, we suffer too, God, but you uh, give us everything we need uh, to be able to do your will. So I just pray that you give them encouragement and heart in that. Uh, but God, thank you for this morning, and I pray that we would just continue to grow after you and see your kingdom um, and look for that in Jesus' name. Amen.